I'm Katrina LeMaydon, two-time Olympic champion, Team Canada Chef de Mission for Beijing 2022, President CEO of Sport Calgary, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Colbert Duran. You guys know me as Kobe. And today I've got our resident funny man with me. The stand-up comic, friend, and just fantastic guy overall. He does play a racist in the latest program he's involved with two brothers, but I'll let that slide. (laughs) Justin, how's it going? It's going really well, Kobe. How you been? I'm good, man. I'm good. But today... I'm even better because we've got we got some Canadian history with us, actually. We've got a member of the 1996 gold medal winning relay team that included Donovan Bailey, Bruni Surin, Glenroy Gilbert. But today, we've got Robert Esme. Robert, how's it going? Fantastic. Thanks for having me there, Kobe. Hi, Justin. How you doing? Good to have you on, buddy. Good to have you on. So... Before we get into some of your history, let's get into your present. Let's start there. What, okay. is, it you're, what is it you're doing now? Oh, I'm a busy man. <laughs> you know, as a child, I always wanted to have, I had three big visions, uh, to be an Olympic champion, to be a businessman, and absolutely be the father of the year, year after year after year. So I'm in the latter two of that one, uh, being father of the year. Um, and also, you know, uh, wanted to give back as a legacy. And with creating my son, that's part of the legacy, but leaving something that's sustainable. And that's where we come up with a company we put together and co-founded, Critique, a virtualized uh, visual feedback uh, platform that help people globally who are willing to learn and get better at what they do. So that applies to anything? Anything, anything visual, audio, pictures, name it, any industry. Um, from business to sports to podcasting, because, you know, podcasts is hard, people making a lot of mistakes. So the whole purpose of the platform is to cut those mistakes out and learn from the best and save yourself time. Now, is this a shoot off from your air blast off sports or is this an entirely different project? An entire different project, um, which part of the legacy where I wanted to say if something should happen to me, uh, what would I leave behind for the world to to learn from and to grow. Um, and that's uh, uh, that's deep to my core of helping people. So that's what it's about. On the other side of your blast off, I help athletes attain closer to their athletic dreams and gold as well. So they have me quite balanced and quite busy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. Seem like such a busy guy over there. Uh, do you ever find yourself worn thin and just kind of tired at the end of the day? Or do you still have that like kind of young gung-ho energy? <laughs> Ah, I don't know if you ever watch my Instagram. Sometime I'm up till uh, seven o'clock in the morning partying um, <laughs> at my place, I'm going live because I have to think of when I'm on the East Coast. 
um, friends and families in the West Coast, England, Australia. So when I when I'm going live, I gotta cater to all those time zones. <laughs> oh my but, god! But overall, uh, it's all about balancing and planning. My downtime and love and passion is music. Uh, I've ever since a little boy, I remember I was in the country with my grandparents when my before I moved to Canada, and they built their own sound system. You could hear it from about two, three miles away. That boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And uh, back then they had a Michael Jackson on the beat, beat it. <clears throat> and I was like, following the beat of the, the sound till I end up in a club. <laughs> but overall, uh, that's my downtime. So when I feel stressed or tired-ish, I just need to go back and, on and unwind with the music and allow to, to help me recover spiritually and physically. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, uh, that makes me want to dance. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, so Kobe was talking about what you're doing now in your future slash presence, but let's go back to the beginning, the humble beginnings, if you will. Mm -hmm. How did you learn that you had a gift for running and all the athletics that you can do? It was uh, back in grade seven. I was speaking at my son's school yesterday, Black History, and that's where it all started. I was running in the hallway after school was closed, I told them, <laughs> um, preparing for this indoor competition they had in the local arena. Um, we, we had awarded the uh, 1988 uh, World Juniors in our city. Andre Kaysan was the big uh, name that was going to run in that competition. And Sudbury hosted other Olympians, Carl Lewis, Ben Johnson, some of the greatest. So um, I ran into that meet and I won it. And mm -hmm. I didn't know much that went with it. But one thing I knew, I wanted to continue that pathway. And um, I went out and found the best coach in the city and um, said, you talk a lot. Whatever time you said you ran in the arena, that would have been a world record. And I'm jumping for joy. I broke a world record. <laughs> and he's looking at me, this kid's an idiot, right? But I was very passionate. He went out to train and he killed me. I went back home. I came back the next day. He was looking at me. You're back for more? I'm like, yes. I told you, I want a world record too, <laughs> right? So that's when I knew I had the, the raw talent. But the most importantly, I think I had the right mindset that this is what I want and this was what I want to attain. It didn't matter if he was helping me, I would find the help no matter what, uh, because I was that determined. Wow. I love those kind of humble beginnings. Now, coming from Sudbury, yeah, I was there recently to do a couple comedy shows. But back when you were there, what, what was the thing to do in Sudbury? Was, was running the thing or like, what was it, what was it about? Back in my days, Sudbury was lit, L-I-T, as the young folks would say. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, we still, hockey was big here. Mm -hmm. um, high school basketball was, was big. We had a lot of uh, potential superstars in the basketball world. Track and field it was still small. It was just me doing my thing. Boxing was also big. Um, we, I think in Sudbury in 1996, we had, I think, five or six Olympians that came out of Northern Ontario, which was huge per capita in anywhere else in the world. So for me, we used to party here hard. We, we train hard and we party hard. Uh, we talk about a bit of house party. Just say people on the weekends used to travel from New York, Michigan, Toronto to come to Sudbury to party on the weekends. That's how party city we, we were back in the days. But now it's sort of a little bit of boring. That's why I create my own little fun. And about once a month, I create my own little fun here at the house. But yeah, the party, Sudbury used to be lit, sir. Very lit. <laughs> nice. He's not lying. I know exactly what he's talking about. I, I ran track back in that time too. And when I finished high school, I'd bounce around party in different places. And Sudbury was one of the places to go. 
it's surprising, yeah. but it's true. The Big Nickel was a, a party spot. Now, Robert, how does a kid from Jamaica end up in Sudbury? That's a good question. I, I remember um, when my mom was living here, my parents, my dad, um, I end up living with my grandma for a period of time. And then the call came when my, my beloved grandma passed away. And the family says, well, it's time for you to come to Canada. We've set up everything uh, to give you a better opportunity. So I remember I uh, got my plane ticket, my suit, my three-piece suit. Boy, I look so good with that three-piece suit. And my little afro like Arnold from uh, <laughs> Different Strokes. I was pimping my <laughs> Got onto the plane. I was like, soul plane. I got the soul food, the jerk chicken and everything. Not like the airlines these days with these nonsense on here, right? We had the real stuff. I remember leaving Jamaica in April. It was like uh, plus 26. <laughs> I, I land in um, Sudbury. It was minus 26. I saw snow. I saw white folks. I'm like, where am I? Am I being kidnapped? Uh, you know what's going on? <laughs> you know, but overall, one thing I've learned over the years that the city, the people, the wonderful, they got a beautiful heart. And I've learned to adapt, but still not able to adapt to the cold as most people would think. I still hate the cold and I still hate the snow. But at the end of the day, I'm surprised that my son loves snow. I'm like, are you sure you're Jamaican blood in your son? Are you sure? Yes, I want to go skiing and sliding. <laughs> but yeah. My mom's from Jamaica, so I'm actually born here, so I got the Jamaican blood in me as well. I don't like snow that yeah. much, although I got accustomed to it. <laughs> But one thing that holds true, and it has for many, many years now, and it continues to be the case, is Jamaica produces the best sprinters. Mm -hmm. Now, in your time, was there, was there any question to you about whether or not you would run for Jamaica or run for Canada? No, I chose back in uh, 88 when I watched the Seoul Olympics, the Ben Johnson versus Carl Lewis Mm -hmm. I remember the muscles, the glamour, everything around it. And, you know, watching it with my mom, jumping on the bed like kids and celebrating the victory like all the other Canadians. And the next day we heard about the drug bus and all that stuff. And I was heartbroken. I, I Literally, I cried. And I, I, at that moment, I said, I am going to run for Canada. I want to restore Canada's pride, Jamaica's name. And I put it on myself and the responsibility at that time that I'm going to create the new narrative of what the headline should be. Because I, th I thought it was unfair that he's Canadian and Jamaica got slammed underneath the bus and all that stuff. And yes, I just came from Jamaica, so the wound was fresh <laughs> mm -hmm. for me. Um, but I felt responsible where as a Jamaican and as now as a Canadian to be Canadian citizen, it's my responsibility to help clean up that narrative and, and put it on the right path. So I, I took that quest and that part of my why, why I did track and field as well, is to, to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm very blessed to say that narrative was cleaned up and you know put in the right light. Canada, joy and pride was restored. Jamaica's name was restored. Um, so I felt responsible that I wanted to do that as a, a young boy. Wow, that's a lot of responsibility to take on at that, that earliest stage. I never thought about it that way. I just, I just felt heartbroken, and I need that pain was to stop, and, and I needed to see the pain in Canadian hearts and Jamaican uh, hearts to be, to, to be restored and regrow. And I, I felt at that time, it was, I'm the man that's chosen to do it. I felt I was chosen for the sport. Well, the healing happened. That's, yes. that's for sure. <laughs> you, you enacted it. <laughs> 
So talking about the Olympic journey, what was it like to get that call that you were selected to be in that roster? It was a very difficult time in my life. Um, remember, I went to Ottawa to work with uh, one of the world's best therapists. And uh, I had my legs, everything fine-tuned like a Formula One, like I have the right pit crew. And I went into 96, got in a bad car accident. Um, the car was total, but I walked away. Well, a snowy area in Toronto by Canada's Wonderland. And um, I didn't perform as well um, because the, the sort of a, a movement or shift in my body. And I ended up with a couple of injuries earlier in January, but I did run the Olympic standard, which was 1018 back then. I showed up at the Olympic trials and I won my semifinals. Glenroy won his, Bruni won his, Donovan won his, and Carlton Chambers won theirs. So we're, all five of us were world ranked. So mm -hmm. the rules in Canada was top three, or sorry, top two automatically. Third spot is chosen by the committee and top six for the relay squad. So um, going into the finals, I hardly could move or breathe. <laughs> I asked one of the, my other teammates to, if I could use their doctor at the time to uh, adjust me and realign me. Uh, because the pain was like pinching. Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah. But to then, no one touched me. I went to the starter and I said, sir, um, with respect, I can't go into the on your mark position because I can't get out of that position. Is it possible I can start standing up? He says, Robert, we love you, but the rules are the rules. Everybody must be on your marks in position. I looked up to the sky and I said, God, I know they're playing Russian roulette with my life here, but it, I will promise to behave and I promise to not be so chatty. Just help me make this team. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I remember getting the blocks and I did my our father who wore it in heaven and all that stuff. And the uh, starter says set. I came in a set position. The gun went and they left me in the blocks like I couldn't come out. <laughs> I remember the tr first 40 meter of the track was different color and the last 60 was a different color that was resurfaced. I remember when I crossed over the first 40, I saw everyone in front at least by five, six meters. All of a sudden, I felt the spirit took over my body and my feet started moving like the road runner. I went from eight, seven, six, and it dipped in before the real estate was over the finish line. And I ended up with fifth. And I looked up to the sky and said, thank you, Jesus, I made the relay team. I didn't make the individual, but I thought that's what my vision was, to win the 100 meter at the Olympics, because I envisioned running 9.84 um, six years before. <laughs> so when I saw Donovan ran that, I'm like, son of a bitch, that should have been mine. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, uh, I said, well, I only had one event. And going into the relay, there was so much drama was happening to try to keep me off the team because I'm the only person that don't train with the team. I train in Sudbury and, and I, do my, I do my own thing. I have my own crew, right? Um, so they figured they could have done it without me. But as I looked up to the sky one more time and God says, don't worry who God bless, no man curse. I said, don't worry, I'll leave it in your hands. It's things starting to fall apart. God showed me, hey, I'm the most powerful man on this planet. So he says, your turn is about to happen. And then I heard it was time for me to run the finals. And yes, I wanted to give them my middle finger straight out because I know I earned my position, um, especially uh, after the the trials, you have to re-rank and I was ranked third in the country, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I just accepted the opportunity, be humbled. But when I look back at the whole scenario is, I think I was more appreciative that that happened to me because I, I was able to learn and view from a different lens and realize what was needed for us to win that gold medal. 
And uh, I, I'm blessed in a sense it happened because if I if that didn't happen, I, we probably wouldn't have been in the mind space and the 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 physical aspect to to contribute to to bring that goal home. Wow, that's that is a story. Uh, do you do you still talk to your your running mates? I speak with Bruni quite often, um, and you know Bruni is a, like a mobile, <laughs> a business mogul. I remember as a child, uh, he was one of the closest person I, to me, like a brother. Um, that relationship was uh, you know tainted over the years, but uh, I'm very blessed to be able to reconnect with him in that manner where we can talk almost every month or weekly if we need to um, and mentor each other and help each other in our outside of track and field stuff. Um, Bruni, um, Glenroy, we talk once in a while. I mean, Glenroy once in a while, Donovan, so-so, right? Well, our pers- my personality is more Bruni's type of scenario. And Carlton and I will probably talk every couple of months to make sure we're doing okay and help each other where we can. Wow. That's... I love the camaraderie in that. That actually, that makes me happy. Yeah, Robert, you, you were not originally selected to be part of the the final group that ran the 4 by 100 meter relay in the Olympics, correct? Correct. That's right. So how was it that you were selected for that final run then? Well, on paper, um, after the Olympic trials, the rules were in Canada, you have to run within that relay, at least a week before the relay started you have an opportunity to re-race. During that time, I only had one competition to be re-ranked in the country. So um, right before the Olympics started, there was a pre-Olympic race in, uh, I think it was Carolina. Okay. And I ended up winning it with a 10.30. So that now currently ranked me number one in the country. Donovan ran and he ended up with a world record. So he now moves to the number one spot. Bruni, I think, ran uh, 10.0 something. He moved to the number two spot. I remain in the number three spot. Uh, number four was uh, Glenroy Gilbert, I think with 1031 or something like that. And um, Carlton Chambers, based on his events and stuff, he would end up in the fifth position. Um, so ideally, I earned the position to run when the relay started. But because, as I said, I wasn't with that group, the management group and the I'm your friend type of guy because I'm here to kick your ass. I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah, <laughs> concept. Uh, I'm here to compete. Um, so that they figured they could do it without me. And with the powers to be, the head coach at the time, um, very, um, I guess, he was playing all different sides for his own interests. Um, okay. And then they're trying to squeeze me as much as possible psychologically, emotionally. Um, they, they try to really did a bad number on me. Uh, but overall, as I mentioned, who God bless, no man curse. And as things are, start unwinding, opportunity presents itself. And I look up to the sky and I said, hey, God works in mysterious ways. And I said, hey, I, the great thing is also during that time, I prepared myself emotionally, psychologically and physically for the rounds, knowing that if I had my opportunity to present itself, um, I would run uh, 9.30 in the morning would be my first round. So I do get up at 5.30 every morning, train, um, do everything prepared. So that way, when I arrive to the track at 7.30 in the morning, I'm 100% fully alert and awake to perform. While I know most competitors are still sleeping and physically they may be there, but psychologically they won't be there. <laughs> so all that stuff, I was preparing myself for that opportunity. Yeah, and the, the man upstairs worked and I, I just came in and... Fresh legs to deliver what I I prepared myself for uh, six years before. 
BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Now, there was a lot of chatter from the American team leading up to that event that they were going to beat you. Yes. <laughs> okay. And and actually, the most of the analysts had picked them as the favorites as well. Yes. You this, know. this tends to be... This tends to be the case quite often when it comes to the Olympics that Canadian athletes are generally underrated. Have you noticed that over the years? Absolutely. And that will always continue, especially when they listen to the media and the hype. And if you notice a lot of my interviews that I'll do leading up to a major games, I'm always 99% precise. People always tell me, go to Vegas. Like, I love speed. I love everything about speed. I I can read what a person will run by their body language, the movement, the the whole nine yards. So I'm fascinated with everything around speed. So uh, when they say nay, they just call me and I tell you what the order is and who's going to run what exact what time. Way in advance before the the, the, the actual run. And they're like, how do you know? Because I said, listen, man, I've been blessed with a gift since a child, (laughs) the gifts of speed, (laughs) right? So overall, with all the stuff that was happening around there, I knew for a fact, as long as I'm in the blocks, I I was going to, we were going to win. One thing I knew for a fact, we were not the fastest team on paper, but I knew for a fact with our mental state, our four Caribbean and the competitiveness that we are, when we can really put things aside and say, hey, why are we here? Are we here for a gold medal? And as long as we all say yes, 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 the rest is easy to, to execute. We just do the do the best we can with our individual leg to contribute to the full success as we want a gold medal. We're not coming to the United States to leave. It's their backyard. We're going to embarrass them, <laughs> right? We're coming in from world championships. I know how to contain the first leg with the psychological piece because he's a energy psychological type of a sprinter that makes two of us. And only one man can run the show. And I decide I'm going to run the show, not him. And I showed him the year before. We're planning to show him again. And we're going to show him again after that. We like to spank people. We're Jamaican. We'll spank you <laughs> from left to right. You know, I'll bring you back and forth and spank you two more times. Let your, your parents go home and spank you on top of it. That's how we roll. <laughs> now, that that confidence and conviction, that, that, that mental strength, is that what you're trying to teach in this new project you've got going? Absolutely. You know, um, with the air blast off, I've always told them, athletically you're in training you're working about 80 percent of your physical capacity 20 percent mental as soon as you get to competition it switches and who's mentally prepared i train athletes not to go compete and win different meets i train them for championships i've never walked into the championship without a medal <laughs> right i'm just that type of dna uh, everything that you've done before then it's life lessons you're going to win some you're going to lose some is what lessons can you take out away and then when it counts that moment, how can you bring it? And, and that becomes a psychological piece. We're going to a meet this weekend. The first thing that they, they're getting on their email is a couple of motivational mindset video because I need to set the tone of the weekend and what the, the purpose is. Once we get there, I just all the other stuff becomes soft stuff and fluff for me to just make sure they're psychologically, it's their decision and they're feeling great. <laughs> but I'm planting the seed from way in advance. And I want to be able to do that with critique. I want to be able to give people the opportunity to continue to learn and develop. But we all need help, including myself as an expert. I seek other experts for areas where I'm not good at. So that way it can get better. And that's why I want to make sure that legacy 
if something should happen to me, it's there for the rest of the, our lifetime and change the whole feedback platform of how people learn. I, I want to disrupt that whole space and become the number one feedback platform on the, globally within like next three years or less. That's awesome. That is awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Yeah. I mean, I want some motivational stuff before I step on stage every night. That'd be, that'd be beneficial to me. So you still live in Sudbury, am I correct? That's right. Um, I was in Vancouver for 20 something years, created a wonderful family. Uh, but you know, I'm a mama's boy, so mama wouldn't move to Vancouver. <laughs> right. But, uh, overall, uh, I said, I will always drop anything in, uh, and just be there for her every step of the way. As you reach the age where now, you know, in our culture, we say twice an adult, once a child. So she's reached adult both times. So now she's into the child mindset and I must be there and will be there for her uh, till her last breath. And I will do whatever it takes to pivot and, and regroup and make sure I'm there every step of the way for her. Cause she would have done that for me and she's done that for me as a child. So it's my obligation and to make sure that happens. It's my child obligation to see them going through that and me going through that. So when I get older, I tell them, I will not be in a nursing home. Um, I will, you were gonna, you're going to do what I do for my, for grandma. <laughs> right? So if you go put me in a nursing home, my nurse is going to be very rich by the time she's done. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My dad used to say that too. He's like, I'm not going to a nursing home. I'm going in your home. That's where I'm going to be. Or next door to me. You know? <laughs> my, mom wouldn't, my mom wouldn't come in. Like, we would talk about moving together a couple of times, but she has certain expectations. I have certain expectations. So, guess what? Live next door to me. Then we're good. <laughs> then you have your own house. And I, I can go back and forth. Right? So, that's how we look at it. Are you physically next door to your mom? Uh, five minutes away. Oh, that's not bad yeah. at all. That yeah, we'll see every day and all that stuff. And when she she comes over and sleep and all that stuff, cause she she likes to have her own rules. And I say, hey, it's your house, your rules. I I'm come to your house. I respect your rule. You come to mine. I have certain rules in my house, so that way we both can coexist. That is facts. Now I was creeping you before the interview, and obviously read your Wikipedia page, which is so cool. That you have a Wikipedia page, by the way. Like that's just that's I some special stuff. I didn't even admit, I did, I don't know who created that, but yeah. That's a Justin life goal right there. Oh, facts, 100%. I want my own Wikipedia page. One day we'll get there. Google still thinks we're a rock band, but we'll, we'll figure that out in time. <laughs> and I read that apparently your gold medal was stolen. Is that true? Yeah, I did a, some presentation in the Caribbean. It was a long trip. So I, I came off a cruise ship and then I had another event in Vancouver. So I was up all night cruising the Caribbean. We got, got into Vancouver. Then I went to do the next presentation. And on my way home, I'm like, okay, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, you know, cause drinking and driving is bad. Smoking and driving is bad. Tired and driving is also bad. <laughs> so I'm like, I quickly pulled up to my house and I put everything underneath my seat. And cause I just went in, I had to go sleep like right now, right now. So as soon as I got there, I was out like a light. Then my phone rang on my crew like, hey, you're supposed to meet us at the club, but stop, you're coming by. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, fine, fine, fine. So. I got up, jumped, went there. When I got there, I was there for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. When I came on, I'm like, why is my door open? Cause I know I locked it. <laughs> I'm like, what? My stereo is also gone. I went underneath my seat. I'm like, damn, right? They took my bag with my medals, my rings and everything. <laughs> and I was like, you know, uh, and yeah, I, I was heartbroken. And up to now, um, they didn't replace it, but when I was working with a medical company, um, Mark, the founder of Kintech, says, what? It happened? I'm like, 
I'm okay with it because it's a people's medal and I, I just touched, I think, over 2 million people and they made a wish on it throughout the years. And I said, that's why I call it the people's medal. And it says, well, do they replace it? I said, I really think they, I think they've done, but maybe I think only like four or five times since the existence of it. So it says, find out more information. Let me know what happens. So I messaged Charmaine Crooks, which is part of the Olympic Committee. And she says, yeah, they're able to replace it at a cost and stuff. And I went back and I let him know. And it's like, yeah, give me all the information. And by the time I realized, I got a phone call from Customs Canada. says, I have something to declare. <laughs> so when I got there, like, uh, uh, what is this? They're like, uh, it's a medal. So how much does it worth? Because you have to pay duty. I'm like, oh, um, I think something like a hundred bucks. So, so I just pay the, the duty. And I'm the book. If I say like a million dollars, oh my gosh, his credit card would have been blown up. <laughs> but overall, um, and Mark, uh, you know, he found that it was the right thing to do, I guess, because the people's medal. And he says, you should have a, re a replacement, right? So uh, as I said, I, you know, he went above and beyond, and I, I enjoyed working for that company for, for like seven years. But yeah, a phenomenal company, a phenomenal guy. And those are, you know, I try to surround myself with superstar leaders and mentor, and who also mentor me in the business side to, to learn more about business. So, you know, I was very blessed to, to meet him. That's amazing. And last question for I pass you off to Kobe. I could sit here all night and just ask you questions. Like this is, <laughs> I mean, anyways. Um, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, talk talk us through that. How was that? How was that phone call? How were you feeling? Did somebody steal something? You know, I tell you, I can't remember too much about that. I just remember, oh, I got in. Somebody inducted me, or the relay team got inducted. That's why. Mm -hmm. Um, so the relay team got inducted, included my, which I'm part of the relay team. I came into, I think it was Toronto for the induction. I was in Vancouver, so I came in for the the dinner, and I was like, wow, Lennox Lewis, wow. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, hockey player. Um, uh, he's a he's a um, head guy for um, Pittsburgh. Um, what's his Cindy name? Cindy Crosby. I, no, Heisman. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Stevie Y. Um, Heisman. Heisman. Um, what's his well, name? Yeah, yeah. Steve Heisman. Yeah, Steve Heisman. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, Stevie Y is what I call him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all these guys, I was like, wow, wow. I was like a kid in a candy shop, right? So excited to meet these guys, and they're like, oh, they're so excited to meet us. I'm like, what? What? You're the superstar over there, right? So um, I remember that night was uh, wonderful. Um, the whole event, uh, everyone was super nice. And to be amongst some of Canada's greatest athletes and builders and movers, it, it was very honoring uh, to be recognized in that level and humbled at the same time. So, um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience to be there. I, but it was a surprise to me. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier, Robert, that you got a gift for analyzing athletes and understanding their potential. Yeah. Do you think there'll ever be anyone that has the same potential that Bolt had? Yes. They're just not discovered yet. <laughs> Probably even greater. Records are meant to be broken. And especially, you know, the, the funny thing is I've been in the city um, for five years now, and there is so much on top potential. Potential. It's amazing. But once again, they're strictly focused on one thing. Uh, yes, this is a hockey town, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And I keep telling them, Wayne Gretzky did track and field. Wayne Gretzky race Pele, um, football, uh, different athletes, tennis stars, and became one of the fastest athlete of all time in that race, right? That's I think right. He ran like 6.7 something or whatever. That's fast, right? So I'm like, there's so much talent. And, I, you know, I work with a young lady 
for the last six months coming from gymnastics um brand new um we went in we're competing uh, she's doing her championship this weekend um and she's amongst the top eight fastest in the 60 meter 200 meter and 300 meter six months of training <laughs> right mm -hmm. and these girls have like four or five years ahead of her <laughs> right and i'm telling her i said don't worry about all this stuff right and i said i want you to go and have some fun this weekend but guess what at the awesome we're going to line up and they're going to really know who you are because I need at least nine months to be able to put some real stuff together for her. So I said, we're just testing out some stuff, but they'll remember you in another three, four months from now when you're on the podium uh, on lighting things up. <laughs> but there's a, so much raw talent, but they're just so focused. And I keep telling them, as an, a hockey player, you have to learn to be an athlete first and then specialize in hockey, right? Right. As a runner, you have to be able to learn how to sprint. I mean, to run to be an athlete first then become a sprinter same thing for basketball uh, and if you talk to all the greatest athletes out there they tell you you have to learn to be an athlete before specializing because you have to understand what's going on with your body um your fundamentals your athleticism your agility your flexibility all that wrapped up underneath track and field right i, I won't teach them how to play hockey but i'll give them all the skills that's transferable to become superstars in that area where that coach can take it to the next level and you can take it to the next level. But Sudbury is a little bit slow <laughs> in that uh, communication aspect. It's getting better, but it's a, it's a lot behind in that area of uh, learning to be an athlete and develop those muscles. And then you can maximize your potential because all they do is think of hockey, but they don't have a sports psychologist around them. They don't have um, the sociological side around them. They don't have the, the base that they need to, to sustain around them, right? Um, but uh, they'll do hockey 24-7, and you can't do that as an athlete. You get burnout very quickly. You need to have a balance of everything. See, I, <clears throat> I hear you there, and that one of the things that always surprised me was that for Canada, which has such a rich history of sprinting success, mm -hmm. I, I've never noticed that much investment in sprinting that's right <laughs> and i'm not just talking hockey towns right i'm not just talking yeah. peterborough sudbury i grew up in the greater toronto area and i i was a sprinter but that's just because i personally chose it not because anyone was really trying to develop me into it yeah and i've never seen that have you noticed that absolutely i agree with you um but you know we're getting a well a little bit better advertisement and knowledge awareness going out there that you know utilize your track and field club within your city to balance all the pieces right um it makes it more enjoyable you're gonna build so many things and then also the money aspect of it right so now mm -hmm. that the global is seeing that you can make some good money now back in the days i wish i was in this area <laughs> right but back in uh this era they'll make a lot more money athletically and you can do a lot more with it athletically-wise. So um, it opened up a little bit more doors. But when you're looking at NBA hockey, you can sign millions of dollars. Um, so they'll, they'll tend to steer that direction. Um, but even if you go in that direction, they still have to be aware that these tools over here is going to make you that much greater and that much closer to attain a lot of those goals. But they're, they're not maximizing and plugging in like mo most of those guys in the U.S. Now, when you're talking about a sport that deals with fractions of seconds, Oof. And the records are continuously being broken. Yeah. Is it more a result of advanced training or does the equipment actually come into it now? 
it's a combination of everything the nutritional lots of the equipment the track and and we should see a lot more but mentally a lot of the kids i find is not as mentally strong or or what do we call that uh, that longevity and the mental state is a lot less okay uh, you would probably see a lot more athletes uh, performing <laughs> in that aspect so you'll only get a handful and that shine but, um, but overall i think that's what is lacking a, a bit is that the mental piece and you know um the competitiveness like you hear me talking how competitive we are we do the same thing now that we don't do track dominoes is the thing you ain't coming to my house and beating for <laughs> anything right uh, no matter what we do it's still com it's that competitive and that trash talking so we get less of that and oh my god i'm scared hey we're not scared to get butt whooping but guess what we're gonna back it up and come back stronger right so you're not seeing a lot of that in today's type of athletes right it's to build a mental piece well, there's a general pushback by society to reduce the amount of competitiveness, especially in, in youth, correct? Yeah. Oh, no, my program is designed. Hey, I'm here. To, we're here to get we're here to perform. So if you want to participate, sorry, you need to join a different program. You got a different mindset. <laughs> there's no there's no participation trophy. No, not in my program. <laughs> my, my participation is you learning, you losing, you learning. And it, you're going to go right from the track, right to the classroom right to the job, anything that you do, you are an individual that you must compete against another person in a job for that same position. You must compete to make that team like someone else. Anything you do in your life, once you're born, it's a competition. It's that simple. So you need to learn all the ropes, the winning, the losing, the whole, the sustaining, the, the consistency, all that you must learn is part of life and for you to survive the, today's world these days. Uh, Justin, as our resident millennial, how do you feel about that? I'm all about it because keep in mind, I was born in the 90s, but I was raised in the 60s, right? Like my parents <laughs> didn't give me an allowance. They gave me a shovel and they're like, there's driveways to be shoveled if you want money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then my dad used to, so we have a lawnmower and my dad's like, you can cut other people's grass, but you have to pay for your own gas too. Entrepreneurship, baby. I love it. You're the great parents you have, man. Oh, yeah. big, big high five for me, man. High five. <laughs> yeah. Now I appreciate it. But when I was like 11 years old, I'm like, what? But like friends get to sleep until like 10, 11 in the afternoon. And my dad's like, yeah, and you're up at six. Oh, all right, gentlemen, you, I do love you guys, but I have to jump on another call. No, no, that's no, perfect. Before before we let you go, Robert, can you let, let everybody know what your social medias are, where they can reach you? Oh, just type in my name, Robert Esme, uh, or you can go business, robertesme.com, airblastoff.com, and critique. Um, for all anything feedback, getting better, critique.com. We're happy to help. Um, we've got experts all over the globe ready to help you all different levels, different prices. Um, at the end of the day, let's get better together and why not come with critique? Fantastic, buddy. You're the you're the third of the four that I've spoken to. The one I haven't spoken to yet is Glenroy Gilbert, so that's next on my list. There you go. All right, if I can reach out to him for you and let you know, I'll make that happen for you. Would appreciate it, man. That's Would part of the dream, it. man, to finish the whole relay <laughs> team, guy. That's all right. right. <laughs> all right, God all bless All right, man, you take care. God bless. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.